Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. Everybody, welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on the stack, we talk about a couple of comics that have come out this week. We review them. Woo-hoo. They've come out to play. Ooh, Joker style. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Man. Hey, that... you know what? You go into those comic book stores and you steal those comics because you don't have to pay for corporate America. Wow, what to... Alex. Time to get twisted. Oh. Sorry, Alec was twist. Alex was twisted over the weekend. Yeah, yeah he got, got twisted. He got drunk as shit. He yeah. saw no. He saw the movie Joker. I did, and now now I'm real twisted against corporate America. Yes, friends. That's why this podcast will remain forever unsponsored because <laughs> we don't we don't suck on the corporate teat. We no. slap it right out of each other's mouths. But I'll tell you what, if uh, any corporations do want to put their teeth in our mouths, just let us know. Comic Book Club Live at gmail.com. We would love to suck on your teeth. I also have a separate email, teat at gmail.com. So please email us at teat at comicbookclublive.com. Oh, okay. I thought you said it was teat at comicbookclub.gmail.com. Yeah, I threw a Gmail in there. <laughs> the corporate lawyers will figure it out. Well, we are going to be talking about a lot of twisted stuff with the Joker on this episode, but let's kick it off with one of the biggest, most anticipated issues of the week from Marvel Comics, Powers of 10, wow. uh, Powers yes. of Starting X, number it. six. Dude, this has been building for weeks now, for months now. It's been going on between House of X and Powers of 10, back and forth, back and forth, uh, as we've been building to yet another relaunch of the X-Men. I think this has been one of the most discussed comic books in years. Yes. I don't know if that's my bubble, but I really do think it has been. I think it has been, and a lot of it's sort of like tentatively uh, interested. I feel like a lot of people are nervous by the portrayal of Professor X and yeah. how this new sort of world order. I, Pete uh, LePage is one of the people that's like, I'm scared. But um, I do think uh, there's oh, a lot that, to like here. That's what, that's what I am. Yeah, you're always like... Teeth chattering sound effect. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> well, let's talk about this. This is the final issue before we do have Dawn of X and then we have X Men number one. Uh, but this is wrapping up these two series. We get a lot of answers this issue. 
turn away because of spoilers, but just to break it down very simply, we get to see what's been going on with Moira McTaggart while everything else has been going on. We find out about her sixth life. Uh, It turns out that future timeline we've seen that's been taken over by the Phalanx is actually her sixth life. She's there with Wolverine. Those were the two people in the dome. Yeah. Uh, And... That's cool, Wolverine. Right? You like Wolverine? I do. I was nervous about that conversation. Exactly. And then, of course, if Wolverine's there, they're going to make him kill somebody. Yeah, exactly. Wait, are you disappointed about that? Well, disappointed about it, yeah. He what says it's what he does. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's uh, pretty good at what he does. Yeah, he's pretty, 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 I think pretty he's, good. I think the line is, I'm decent at this yeah. <laughs> job of killing. Uh, I'm a mediocre killer, he says. And what we find out is... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but what we find out is the villain is ultimately humans. Yes. Uh, so we had anticipated that the that they were moving away from the humans are bad thing because humans sort of get left behind because of evolution and machines actually rise up. But in this sort of the middle section of this, this monologue by this computerized human uh, that I guess has um, been the singularity has happened for the humans. Mutants have been left out of it. They haven't melded with machines. The humans are like, ha, fooled you. The machines were a distraction. The, uh, I love this progression. The Sentinels bought us years. The Nimrods bought us decades. Uh, the Falnix is buying us all this extra time, and humans are eventually going to win, which I thought was very cool. Yeah. Brought us back to basics. Yeah, exactly. It brings us back to basics. We still have a setup like you guys were talking about a lot with the last issue that things are not all right in mutant land at this point. There's certainly a lot of teases about that. Moira is nervous about... Everybody, including Xavier, who, in a very alarming fashion, she says she needs to break over the course of this timeline, which certainly explains the place that we find Xavier in at the beginning of both of these series. Uh, I love this. I thought this was great. This made me very excited for the subsequent issues because as much as I've been enjoying everything that's been going on, it's it's felt like a chess match. It's felt like, okay, it's more placing the pieces and getting the, all of these things ready. This, to me, had much more personality to it. It laid out the stakes. It laid out the conflicts. And I think that's the thing that we've been missing here because having this cult of X going on flattens everybody's out. Yeah. But this last issue sets up all of these other titles. Uh, couldn't be more excited. Agreed. Pete, how are you feeling? You've Pete, have you done? Are you done pissing your pants about this? Or no, because you like, you're scared. No, it's just uh, you know this event is. It takes things that we know and kind of twists them in ways that I don't like. The Joker. Stop <laughs> talking about the fucking Joker, please. Never, man. He's oh in my, my god, this has been the worst. Um, but yeah, I don't. Um, this is. This is just taking characters that we know and like and putting them in positions that are new, which, okay, tip of the hat is a brand new thing. I've never seen anything like this, so cool points for that. But it's really fucked up to see people behave in ways that you don't like. And also, like, when you don't understand what's going on, but you see heroes that you like doing things. I I don't know. I've... I'm looking forward to getting past this event and into bigger titles, and maybe I can kind of enjoy it now. But we'll see. It's like uh, I just didn't like the fact that it was this one woman who had many lives has been trying to play people for her ends, and then 
it seemed like they were going to make her drink some tea and she was going to die. But I don't know. I, I just think that it, it was like a, um, I don't know. It just kind of took characters that I know and love and put them in weird positions. And I didn't like where any of the movement was going or anything that was happening. I will say, I mean, to agree with Pete a little, the littlest bit, um, Moira seems like she has, she is playing everyone a little bit more than I thought. And she is definitely like manipulating people. And especially the part in the middle where we read her journal entries, she talks about not wanting Xavier to read her mind again because it will reveal something. And I thought that added uh, an edge to this whole thing. Like maybe uh, there is a little bit more nefarious uh, rot at the center of this new X-Men relaunch. Uh, I in an totally, exciting way. Yeah, I totally agree with you. There's stuff that's redacted there right on the first page, which she says uh, later on in the issue, but it's very telling that it is on that first page, is uh, some variation on what will they do when they find out the truth. Yeah. And that to me suggests she says that to Xavier Magneto about the rest of the mutants. What will they do when they find out that every single timeline they lose? What will happen then? But I think it's a little more like, what will they do when they find out about the truth about Moira? Because there's right. things that are there's hidden there. There's something hidden here, and I, I, it's a great mystery to put at the center of this whole storyline. I love the idea, like, to, to your point, Pete, you don't like the way that Professor X is sort of not or being himself. Wolverine, Wolverine. Well, or Magneto, it, it, or anybody at the council. It all springs from Professor X, though, I think. Right. He's changed his, he's moved away from his dream. They yep. need to... Uh, collect themselves all on Krakoa and like basically fight and sort of instead of like protecting humanity, they're sort of removing themselves from humanity. Exactly. And I do Buying think themselves. And that's what a lot of people little. I feel like in response to this is like, this is not the X-Men I love, but I got to say a credit to Hickman setting it up. Like we always lose the professor X realizing reading Moira's mind and being like, we always lose in the end. Of course, he has to change up his strategy. He has to move away from it and change his dream. And I think that's such an interesting place to put it. It's also smart because Hickman's seeing the long view. Eventually, there'll be a reboot after his reboot. Yeah. It will go back to the Professor X being like, we live in a mansion and humans hate us, but we're going to protect them anyway. So this is just that one section of X-Men history with a flag in it that's like, Things were different here, and I'm excited for it. Yep, I agree. I can't wait for the rest of the titles. We'll definitely be checking them out. Let's move on to a big DC book, The Batman's Grave, number one. This is Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch reteaming to tackle Batman. I was very surprised by this book and very excited about it as well. I thought it was great. Yeah, me yeah. too. And it feels not like a typical Warren Ellis, but it doesn't have the same no. uh, like little trademarks of his, I yeah. felt like. The, the only thing I will say as a trademark, Alfred is very tired, and Warren yeah. Ellis is always very tired, and he always has a tired character in his books. I <laughs> did like that Alfred is a little, gets a little drunk here, yeah. uh, and yeah. he's like, come on, man, have a drink with me, dude. Uh, aren't we punched out at this point? Yeah. There's an interesting thing that Warren Ellis does in this book. So it's Batman investigating seemingly a relatively small mystery. Yeah. But what Alfred talks about, what he talks about, is he's not able to see into the mind of the killers. He's able to see into the mind of the victims. Right. And I thought that was a really fascinating rejiggering of the way that we think about Batman. Yeah. Yeah. And it was also like really cool because it was like he walks into this crime scene and then immediately walks out and I was like wait how you didn't even how how are you going to get all this information but with the technology it was cool to see him like in the back cave but also in the crime scene that was really awesome and then when he was kind of like 
oh, how long have I been thinking about this? Because when he like goes back out in the world, it's daylight. That was also a really cool moment. Yeah, it's cool that all the characters seem a little bit uh, like they mess up a little bit. Uh, Alfred gets drunk. Batman, Bruce Wayne doesn't know how long he's been working. Like that stuff is fun. And uh, to your point, the thing of him, like, of course, he sees who the victims because his parents were victims. That's what made him. Like, I think that's such a great observation that we haven't seen before. Yeah. And ultimately. Also, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I, I was just going to say real quick that Ellis and Hitch together again. It's just so amazing to see a team like that because Warren Ellis has these big ideas, these very precise ideas. But he also knows when to step back and be like, Brian Hitch, do your thing. Here's yeah. several pages just to lay out an amazing action sequence with Batman. It's great. What were you going to say, Pete? Also, you know, like a lot of people call out, you know, like Batman for, you know, he just beats on poor people and that's not cool, Batman. And it was cool to see Alfred say that to Batman's face. You know what I mean? Yeah, just to yeah. see what his reaction would be. Alfred's a sloppy drunk. He's yeah. a he sloppy butler. He is. Do not get drunk with Alfred. Unless now, you want to hear some harsh truths, <laughs> which I do from Alfred. So I just want to make sure that I got this comic because it was kind of like a last page reveal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I maybe I'm going to spoil the whole thing here, but it's like... So basically, the friend came over, the guy murdered his friend, and then hid under the boards of the the floorboards of the building? Yeah, if you... This is something that they don't talk a lot about, but landlords know, is that there's a man in every floorboard. Yeah. Every floorboard. (laughs) Everyone. Every apartment has a... I guess every room in the apartment. Right. Every room in the apartment has a different man hiding in there. You just got to know to look for him. Usually under the bed. Yes, uh, I've gotten to know the guy who hides out in my bathroom a lot because he's like, dude, I just it don't out. know how he. Wait, did you say figure it out? Yeah, he's like, like dude, you need to toilet? eat differently. Oh, no, yeah. I know how to use the toilet. Um, oh, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You really nailed that potty training finally. Yeah, well, it helps when you have a kid that you're potty training. You're like, oh, that is how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, what I don't understand is how did he get the dead body on top of him if he was under the floorboards the whole time? He put the dead body there, then snuck under. Oh, he kind of like slid across because it seemed like he was directly under. No, well, no, no, he slid across. Oh. Let's just see it because that's what, there's more mystery here. Maybe the yeah. whole thing will be like, Batman's like, so tell me. How did you get under the floorboards? And that'll, <laughs> that'll be, be like, the whole mystery. That'll be like, slid across. Yeah. I did it. The end. Let's move on to another Marvel comic book, Doom number one. This is a new series focusing on Doctor Doom. I got to tell you, this is not what I expected from this book. No, no not, not at all. all. Not at all. Uh, so this is Doctor Doom, and he's acting like a petty, peevish asshole most right. of the book. Yeah. Uh, which it, is very surprising very, to me. But I'll tell you what, I like it. It's fun. Doom is like... A dick. He's like, what are, heck, what are we doing over here? We haven't finished all the. What are, he's just like a shitty ruler who like messes up a lot, and then he gets framed for this horrible thing. Like, yeah, it makes Doom uh, like he's someone who's always got his shit together, except for like Reed Richards. And in this case, he does not. He yeah, actively does not. This was disappointing because uh, Doctor Doom is one of my favorite villains, and to see him kind of portrayed like this was a little like meh. Uh, I did like what he did to the reporter. That was fun. Sure. He ties up a reporter. Uh, I, I agree. I was a little put off by it just because I don't think this is consistent with what we've seen of Dr. Doom. However, there is a sequence of this book where Kang shows up. So good. Yeah. And there's a little bit of a mystery where they're like, why are we tethered together? What's going on? Why do you keep showing up here? 
indicating that this has happened before and probably going to happen again throughout the series. That was really fascinating and exciting for me, and I'd like to see more of that as we go on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, Doctor Doom, based on his origin, he's just a smart guy who had a face injury, and then he became, like, a crazy supervillain. Right. So... The fa- I feel like this is closer to that origin than the, the Doctor Doom we mostly see is this like omnipotent dude who controls all of magic and all of science and can beat anybody. Yeah. I, like, I think this guy makes more sense. He's a guy wronged, an asshole who got exposed, and now he's an asshole well, in you've, hiding. You've only read the first 12 issues of Fantastic Forever published and then just stopped reading comics that's after right. that, right? Yep. So yeah, this is pretty consistent for you. Exactly, and that's what I want is just consistency. <laughs> pick back up, I, I pick back up right on Fantastic Four. <laughs> Yeah, I only read Spider-Man number one. That's the only comic I've ever read before But you today. get it from that. You get it. You get it. He's a web slinger. Right. There's oh robbers God. in the world. Everybody has an uncle, et cetera, et cetera. I get it. I get it. He's the- just Spider-Man. He's just like us. Here's another DC black label book. So kids, Ooh. stay away because once again, things about to get twisted. Exactly. With- kids, turn this off because it's about to get Fucked up. <laughs> Joker Harley Criminal Sanity number one. This is a take on Joker and Harley that's set in a more realistic, more grounded world. Harley is just a psychiatrist, uh, psychologist, therapist. I always uh, mix them up. I think she she's seems a kind of like a cop in this one. Brain doctor. Yeah. And Joker is just a serial killer. And she's trying to track him down based on a murder that he committed uh, years earlier when he killed her roommate. What do you think about this book? I I kind of liked the portrayal of Harley Quinn in this. Um, we read one last week that was a kind of like a different take. Uh, this one, I liked her as like the toughest nails kind of investigative person. I liked that take because to see her there and then how she's going to get, how she turns to the dark side is going to be a, a lot more interesting to me. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. You know, it was crazy because they were talking about like real life serial killers in this. Uh, but uh, I thought I I'm very intrigued. I'm very excited to read more. Yeah, I agree. This is uh, the art's great. I love the uh, very detailed black and white stuff yeah. jumping into the color, old school black uh, and white style. Yeah, with some uh, reds thrown a lot, uh, across it. There's some great horrifying images oh, here. The man. body they find halfway through is oh. like super fucked up. Um, and yeah, I am very curious to see how they turn, um, Harley Quinn, who like hates the Joker is chasing him and all serial killers is going to be turned into like a sociopathic killer of herself. I mean, that's what happens with all the cops who chase killers, right? That's why most of our cops are, uh. Juggalos. <laughs> what? <laughs> what neighborhood do you live in? Uh, Juggalo Town. Juggalo Town? Uh, little Juggalo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Little Juggalo. I always go there for the, <laughs> for the cannolis. The <laughs> oh, yeah, either way. Either way. Let's move on to one of our favorite books from Image Comics, Thumbs Number 5. This is the last issue oh, of the man. title. We are all out of thumbs. We're all out of thumbs. And only fi- point your fingers from now on, baby. So this book is all about a world that's dealing with a dual theocracy, technocracy, technocracy, uh, technocracy. Uh, and it all comes down to this. Pete, you've been loving this series in particular. How'd you feel about the conclusion? I thought it ended in a, in a pretty good way, like with everything that they set up. Um, yeah, I really I thought this was very creative. The art and the storytelling in this with the panels and stuff. Really fantastic. The use of red and stuff with Mother was really just just really cool storytelling through the images and the shading. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been I've from start to finish. I've been pretty happy with this series. 
Yeah, I thought the the climax uh, stuff was especially great and super sad and really well done. Yeah. Um, it feels it feels like sort of maybe we talked about this before, sort of Frank Miller art yeah. uh, from back, sort of early Frank Miller, and I think that's great. Uh, it feels like updated Frank Miller, I guess I should say, and it's a fun read. This, you know, it really just is like what it's like to move out as a kid and leave your family. You know, this comic. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh? Because your mother was a computer. Right. It was an old uh, Commodore 64. Yeah. <laughs> yep. How's she doing? <laughs> She's dead now. We we jumped out of a window together holding hands. Oh, oh wow. Jesus. That's Commodore or 64. I don't know how to tell you this. Don't have hands. <laughs> Mine did. Whoa. Whoa. Cool. Cool. Robot hands? Yep. I yeah. like this uh, quite a bit. I like the finality to this issue. Uh, it's not like... Final anime. issue. Well, uh, often through, I feel like yeah. with books like this, they're like, but maybe there's more coming. This feels like it legitimately wraps up the whole story in a very finite way. Uh, it felt very Blade Runner to me overall yeah, as well. Cool. Uh, inspired by that as well as the Frank Miller on the art. Uh, this is a great book. Now that it's done, definitely pick it up and trade. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. And just from an artistic perspective, from a different view of the future perspective, it's very successful. Oh, you don't think they officially set up pinkies in this? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll see. Oh, I'm man. excited Wait, for middle for, finger. For you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course you are. <laughs> All right. Moving to another DC book. There's a DC heavy stack. Lots of stuff coming out from this week. Secrets of Sinister House, number one. There's an 80-page giant collecting lots of spooky stories. I feel like we talk about these once a year, and usually yeah. we go through the same thing where we're like, yeah, mixed bag. Some of them are good. But I did want to call out one story in particular. Uh, the story with the Atom, which I believe mm. is the second story in the issue. Yes. Love it. Wow. I love that story. I thought it was so good. It's the Adam via HP Lovecraft. As he gets smaller, he's slowly sinking deeper and deeper into madness, just as the characters do in a Lovecraft uh, story. And that was, I thought, such a smart way to go with this thing. Versus a couple of the stories are like, yeah, that's a that's a typical superhero story, but there's some spooky creatures. I, I really like the John Constantine story, which I think was the last one. Yeah. Uh, that was really well done. Uh, How did you feel about it, Justin? I liked it, too. I mean, I love these stories, uh, issues like this, where you get a taste of a bunch of different things. Um, I really liked the Martian Manhunter story I thought was cool. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, and the one called House of the Dead, which was a Secrets of Sinister House original. Um, it made it reminded me, the Green Lantern story reminded me that we don't really see all, all these Green Lanterns very often. Yeah. Well, not anymore now that Grant Morrison is doing whatever he's doing with them. Yeah. I guess. I like uh, them. I like Jessica. What worked the best for me, not to keep harping on the Adam story, but yeah, what yeah, I... Here we go. Yeah, this yeah, dude yeah. loves worms. The <laughs> What works for me with something like this is when you take a horror story and inject a superhero into it versus the John Constantine story. I thought was a really good John Constantine story, but he's always dealing with this kind of stuff. Yeah. So it didn't throw me for a loop well, or I, make me uncomfortable. Right, but uh, that also is nice because it's not like... Oh, we're gonna jam a superhero into a Halloween story, and it's gonna not feel like our superhero. But it's the same thing. That's what you want out of Halloween. It's just like when you jam your head into the jack o' lantern. You yeah. guys do that, right? No, I no? definitely don't. You no. gotta try it. Yeah, that's the tradition. That's where yeah. no, I has a face. I usually just wait by my door, and someone rings my door. I beat up, beat them up, and take their candy. Jesus, whoa! <laughs> that is not how it works. All right, where'd, where'd you grow up? 
Rochester. <laughs> oh, cool. All right, let's move on to a Boom Studios book, Hellmouth number one. This is the official kickoff of the big Buffy Angel event that they're running. Uh, we really like the Angel prelude that was kicking off this event. Uh, otherwise, I think reactions have been a little mixed to some of the Buffy and Angel books. I've liked mm. them quite a bit. I feel like, Justin, you've been a little mixed on them. Well, my whole thing is it feels like because it was a reboot, but their characters are all in the same place and sort of have the same relationships or we can anticipate the same relationships. It feels like the story is a, has a little has guardrails on it. And so I wish there was some kind of factor that they could introduce that would get it free and really open up the storytelling. Yeah. Uh, I could see that. Well, uh, what did you think of this then? Did that do that for you? Uh, a little bit. As the issue went on, I thought so. Once uh, Buffy and Angel were sort of together and had introduced themselves to each other and were moving through that, that seems interesting. But otherwise, it does still seem like you're at a cocktail party where everyone can't quite remember how they <laughs> met. And it's like, oh, yeah, I think... Um, did we... Oh, I don't know. I don't yeah, remember. I definitely felt that at the scene with Cordelia where they were like... Uh, she was like, hey, you guys are this and this and this, right? And yeah. uh, they're all looking at her. And I was like, that's Cordelia. You know her. Yeah. You've known her for years. But, yeah. of course, they haven't. Uh, Pete, what do you think about this? I really like this. I thought this was a great kind of event and really cool. Um, I feel like, yeah, it's weird how this, they're just like, it slows the story down by them being like, oh, who are you? Oh, I don't know you. Yes, you do. You know what I mean? So it's it's hard when we, the reader, know so much more, and it kind of slows the kind of action down. But in this, I thought the event was so big that it kind of made things like, you know, the, hey, I'm Angel. Hey, Buffy, nice to meet you. Great. That's all we need. Let's get going. And uh, I th- really thought the action in this was awesome. Uh, I really love where this ended, and I'm excited to see where it goes. There we go. That's going to be going on for a couple of months. Let's get twisted one more time with the Joker, Year of the Villain, number one. Now, the big draw here is this is co-written by John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Himself. This is part of the Year of the Villain event, technically. Uh, kind of ties into that a little bit. Now, is John Carpenter from Mars? The, the movie? The movie that uh, I think, Alex, you famously said was uh, this generation <laughs> Star Wars? Uh, that that was uh, John... Oh, John Carter. That was John Carter. John, John Carter. Carpenter is the guy who works on your toilet. Ah, uh, that's right. He's the John he Carpenter. Works you have on a, it. You have a wooden toilet, so <laughs> he's a, he's a it's John Scott, It's leaky. Ugh, what Ooh. a mistake. Yeah. Shouldn't, shouldn't have got Don't make it an oak. That's all I'm saying. Get uh, me a John Carpenter. <laughs> uh, so yeah, classic horror director John Carpenter and writer is working on this. In this story, Joker comes back to Gotham in the middle of City of Bane. He's running around. He adopts almost sort of a ward who is he. It's from his perspective. He's so a henchman. Henchman. The henchman thinks he is insane like the Joker. Finds out a little differently by the end. Yeah. Some upsetting things happen throughout the book. I this book really won me over as it went on. Me too. I thought it was a what? really smart story uh, as it went on. Like it started, and I was like, "What's about? happening?" Yeah. But once it sort of got, once Joker and uh, Six, I think was the, the yeah, character's maybe. name, uh, Six of Hearts, um, got into their costumes, their uh, wardrobe change. I thought it was great. No, this was uh, this was very upsetting to me. I didn't like this at all. the The idea that uh, the Joker is just uh, Paling around and really doesn't have anything to do except torture this little kid that's uh, following him. It was really just 
messed up in he a wasn't lot a kid. of different he was ways. Like, sort of. No, I mean, to Pete's point, that's fair. Mostly what the Joker does is he takes it to corporations and rich people. Yeah, exactly. And really, like, shows us not to suck on that teeth. He doesn't I like think the if corporate this story, There was no line in the entire comic where he said, hey, don't suck on that teeth. Uh, I, if this comic would have came out at a different time... I think maybe I would have like, liked what to. What do you think? Like Ted? I have so <laughs> much Joker fatigue right now that yeah, I'm just Joker like fatigue. that. I'm like, no, fuck this whole story. This was really upsetting and dumb. So I, yeah, you want to get the Joker teeth out of your mouth? You want the corporate teeth? <laughs> You're sick of the Joker teeth? I only got one mouth, buddy. Can you choose which teeth? You guys goes both in here. stop saying teeth so we can. I'm sorry, the Joker movie really put it in our mouths. Oh, yeah. stop. All right, don't try to give us your Pete teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a sweet treat. <laughs> My old friend Teet LePage. <laughs> Glad you guys are having fun. <laughs> I can't believe it took us 27 minutes of a podcast to get there. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to say this again. This is not the last you've heard of that nickname. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Next one to talk about Image Comics Ice Cream Man number 15. Oh, here we go. We, go. we love this series. This uh, is a twisted tales every time out of the gate. This one we're yeah. focusing on a woman. She goes on a date, gets the wrong coat, and everything goes very badly from there. What'd you think about this issue? I love the moral of this story. Don't take someone else's goddamn coat. But it was an you accident. No, if you take someone else's coat, you deserve to die a horrible what, death. It was an accident. It's not an accident. Her coat was gone. Yeah, it's so cold outside. you chase down whoever baby, took you baby, coat, it's cold outside. and you beat the shit out of them. You don't just take some stranger's coat. You'd fight a, per- a stranger yeah. rather than wear their coat. Exactly. Backwards thinking. Yeah, real twisted, Pete. Thanks. This, uh, so th- the coat is a metaphor for a hand-me-down, right? Because the main emotional beat of the story is that this woman is worried she is going to go mad like her mother does. Uh, and eventually she actually does, of course, with a little bit of urging, a little push from the ice cream man himself. Uh, I really like this issue a bit. It. In a weird way, it was a come down for me for the last couple of issues. It's been these crazy stunt issues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's still a very good story. I don't think they should keep up doing what they did the previous two issues, which was a palindrome issue and then a crossword puzzle issue. Yeah. Um, this is just straightforward, creepy tale, uh, but I thought it was very, very well done. I agree with that completely. Like, it was a great issue, but definitely felt like a return to a more basic issue after we've had the high of these yes. uh, stunt yeah. stuff. Also, the art is so creepy in all the right ways. It's really magical. This book is so good. Definitely pick it up. Another Marvel book, Web of the Black Widow, number two. As usual, Natasha is on the run from the law. She She's mixing it up with superheroes who don't know what she's doing. And there is somebody pretending to be her. I remember you guys really liked this first issue a lot. What do you think about the second one? I mean, the relationship between Winter Soldier and uh, Black Widow is something I've, I loved about. Yeah. Uh, the whole, that whole saga is great. Yeah. It was super sad when it got sort of erased uh, yeah. with the change a couple few years ago now. Um, so to see them together and sort of getting their dance going again, I, I'm always into that. Yeah. I like the art on this comic, uh, and it feels like a different beat for a Black Widow a little bit. Yeah, I, I like the stakes of this. I like the fact that she's kind of like chasing her past, chasing the shadow person. Um, uh, yeah, I think this is like, I love stories like this where we're just kind of, uh, taking one character and just kind of really focusing on who they are and what they're dealing with. 
And uh, yeah, it was really fun, uh, you know, to see her with Winter Soldier again. I, I think this is great. Uh, the art was a little weird for me. It took me a little bit to get into, but okay. I didn't like completely okay. pull me out of it. All right, fair enough. Uh, last one we're going to talk about from DC Comics Event Leviathan number five. We are oh. getting down to it, almost about to find out the identity of Leviathan. I really wanted to find out this, uh, this I, issue. It, they should have told us this issue. I Let's think the be... cover was like Leviathan revealed. Yeah. Nah, not quite revealed. Well, it should have been dot, dot, dot to only Superman. But I will say, despite that thing that we just said, this was by far the tensest issue, I thought. Definitely. Uh, which is good. I mean, uh, Bendis knows what he's doing. Um, he knows how to ratchet up the tension. The thing that he's doing is extending it for too long. Uh, yes. Which is a very Bendis thing to do. This could have been done in a third issue instead of a fifth issue and going into a sixth issue where we, then we finally find out. Well, if because you talked about this last out. issue, but we we ended on this cliffhanger where it turns out Lois Lane has a second set of detectives who are looking into Event Leviathan, uh, not Event Leviathan, into Leviathan. Uh, they are magical detectives versus the physical detectives that she's previously been working with. Everything is starting to crash together. It seems like by the end of the issue, Damien has figured it out, figured out who Leviathan is and what exactly the plan is, which certainly points against your theory that Damien is Leviathan. Unless it doesn't. Ooh. My theory is still good. As long as Bendis is writing this, my theory could last for fucking years. So <laughs> uh, may never find uh, out. But Superman does find out who Leviathan is. There's clearly a bigger plan going on here. It does seem like it's going to be revealed the next issue. Um, Pete. I, I've... I, Normally, like something like not knowing uh, would really drive me nuts. But the storytelling is so good, and the events uh, do such a good job of distracting you for the fact of like it's been five issues, we still don't know. I'm still very much enjoying this event and enjoying this who done it and seeing all these people kind of like bumping into each other and try to figure this whole thing out. So. Uh, as much as I was like, man, I really want to know, I am enjoying the story uh, very much, and I think this is a cool comic. Are we meant to think it's a past Manhunter? I mean, that's the suggestion yeah. by the end, which is a little bit of a weird move. Because I looked them up, and they're just regular people. They're the right. same like uh, Kirk Paul, uh, well, Mark so Shaw. This is, uh, I didn't look it up, so I don't quite remember, but there's a couple of different Manhunters in the DC Universe. Yep. There's yeah. the Manhunter characters, like the Manhunter that we're seeing here. There's Martian Manhunter, John Johns, right. totally different character. There's also the Manhunters, who yeah. are the Green Lantern villains, but they're separate, right? So, like, when they're It'd saying... It'd be crazy if it was that. Well, it could be. My only thought here is that it could be, like, Green Lantern or something, right? Like, it turns out it's Manhunter... Green Lantern villain tech that's being used or something like that? Because I couldn't imagine they're like, yes, I'm Tom Barove, the third Mad Hunter. Yeah. Because where does that come from? You well, know? But where does it come from? I mean, this has been like a very earthbound event. It's about the intelligent agencies, intelligence agencies. That's why it feels like Damien makes sense. He's uh, with He was with his, uh, his mom the whole time. It could be Green Arrow. He's right. uh, sort of dealing with that, his whole uh, altruistic way of doing things. Um, so I, I don't know. Like to move it, to make that move feels weird. We'll see. We'll see you next issue. Before we go, if you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft. Come on by. We'll chat about comics. Teats, what do you want to plug? <laughs> Pete. 
where you want to plug. Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. We'll see you at the Comic Book Shop. For I'm Justin Tyler, for Alexander Zalvin and T. LePage, signing off. Dick. Dick.